Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head, challenged by their thoughts, the voice in their head, and their beliefs. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Add Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. It's time for you to add value. Our guest today, Harry Spate, serves others by helping people to grow their business and sales. He's a keynote speaker, coach, and author of Selling with Dignity, your formula for life-changing sales results. It is not about being the best closer or being the pushiest person to get people to buy. It is about serving. Serve first, the selling will follow, is his motto. After spending several years in mission work, Harry has been succeeding in sales as an award-winning multi-million dollar sales producer and sales leader for over two decades. Harry Spate shares the selling successfully can be achieved with timeless principles. Serve others, listen, treat others the way you want to be treated, persist. He wants to elevate the craft of selling and succeeding with dignity. Harry shares wisdom and a passion for selling with dignity. Well, Harry, Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you taking the time today, and I'm just looking forward to a great conversation. Me too, Sir Robert Pease. What is the good word? <laughs> well, you know, entrepreneurship. So let's let's just jump right in. And obviously, you had a, a faith background starting starting out in the world, and you transitioned into the corporate sales um, for a while. But now you've decided to be an entrepreneur. So I guess share as much of that journey as you'd like to share. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's a real honor. And I think we have uh, not only similar uh, barbers, but we have a similar uh, thought process in life, similar mindset, if you will, similar thinking uh, to coin a phrase from you. So thanks again. Um, yeah, my background, I mean, like yourself, it was all about serving people. And when I left, my wife and I left the mission field um, 25 years ago, uh, I thought that I could take my communication skills. I wasn't thinking entrepreneur. I was thinking a sales job, which really is in some sales industries, you really are like an entrepreneur. Um, and prior to that, supporting the mission work. Uh, I did uh, janitorial work. I cleaned offices. I cleaned bathrooms. I painted houses. I did whatever to earn a living. And, you know, I didn't want to do that in my mid thirties. I said, you know, if I'm going to go back to the States, I'm going to do this differently. And I thought that the corporate experience would be a good one. So that's where I went, ended up and it was fun. Um, you know, but the challenge was trying to get a job in sales after being a missionary for 15 years and telling people that I had quote unquote sales experience. And they're like, what language are you speaking? You've been a missionary. That's nothing to do with sales. I mean, they're probably thinking, I mean, I don't know what they were thinking, but they certainly did not understand that trying to share your philosophical and spiritual beliefs with other people. They didn't think that was selling, but it clearly was selling, <laughs> right? It's all about relationship building and, you know, having conversations, which is very similar to selling. And we had, so. and we had it on, some of us had it on both sides because to, to survive out there on the mission field, we had to come back here and sell ourselves, convince people to contribute and, and, and raise, you know, we were self self-supporting. So like, yeah. Like a sales job that's 100% commission, if if we didn't raise those funds, then then there were no funds. <laughs> yeah. So, well, so see, you were smart. See, I I did not do that. That would have been a great idea. But I came, I we worked, I sold a small business, but man, that would have been the thing to do is to uh, find some people that were behind the cause, so to speak. I'm sure I could have easily enough, but it just never dawned on me. So good for you. Well, it certainly creates a longer sustainability, right? right? Because, and actually it's, I suppose it's, it's a lot like sales as I think about it, those first couple of years, nobody believes, you know, in what you're doing. <laughs> They're not really sure, you know, are you really going to stay there? Are you really going to do what you're saying you're going to do? 
Um, and so you're building that no like and trust uh, yeah. factor in those first first couple of years. And then as you start to not only get some results, but people actually say, oh, you're still there. Okay. Now, right. now, now we're willing to get involved. Now we're willing yes. to put, you know, put our money serious, where our mouth man. is. Yeah, and that's so that true. created sustainability um, for certain. But I hadn't thought about it in in that transition term. You know, I obviously knew I was selling myself, right? Convincing mm -hmm. people that that a I, I can do the things that we're saying we're going to do, and that's what we're going to do. You know, overseas, um, but getting getting those relationships to the place where they know, like, and trust us. And it really was kind of like a membership model. And, and this was 20 years ago, right? We, mm -hmm. were, we were raising monthly support. The majority of our, our support was, was a membership model, you know, hey, oh, give, okay. us, give us 20 bucks a month, give us a hundred yeah. bucks a month. And, and those commitments are what sustained us. Um, so it's interesting now to, oh, you know, man. as, as an entrepreneur in this online world, it's like, wait, I, this is what we should be doing. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, this is, uh, you know, the uh, idea of having a group or a tribe and having some kind of passive income, at least as a stream, an income stream is definitely a way a lot of people are looking at things. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, finding ways that you could sell your services after market, right? Whether support or something so that people are paying you monthly. Uh, even if it's a little bit, it all adds up. Absolutely. That, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. So got distracted by my story a little there. So uh, yeah, corporate sales. Uh, yeah. So you, you ended up in the copier world. I did. And I didn't really know it. I mean, I didn't. It's funny because I was talking to a friend of mine when I was back in the States and I was trying to sell um, health insurance and I was getting a couple deals. It was like, to get that first job, I showed up at a hotel in a conference room, not a room, but in a conference room and anyone breathing and they had $300 got a job. So I was kind of excited, but I was like, that was too easy. And it wasn't for me. I mean, I did that for a little while and I talked to an old friend who I hadn't spoken to in years. We had parted ways and I asked what he was doing. He said he was selling copiers and I kind of chuckled. It's like, how much money can there be in that? And he says, you should look at it seriously. There's a lot more than what you're doing. <laughs> so I did. And I, uh, cause I was making probably, I don't know, a hundred bucks a week selling insurance. I mean, it was, it was not enough. I was living, we were living off of credit cards coming back, you know, so it was all, it was all brand new and just going further and further in debt. So I got the job finally at the company this young, this fellow worked for. And, but he didn't want me to work there. He gave me a bunch of places to interview and I was just striking out, striking out, striking out. And finally he felt sorry enough for me. And he says, you should come interview, not in my branch, but in, you know, another branch and, you know, we'll find out what's wrong. <laughs> I guess with the way you're interviewing or something. So I struck it, uh, I struck it off well, whatever that expression is, uh, with the owner, and you know he says, you know, come on back and whatever. Rest is history. And so then I realized that this was a sales bullpen, and I had come from. If you're not familiar with the sales bullpen, I mean, try watching the movie Wall Street or. I just saw a glimpse of the wolf of Wall Street the other night because I was researching what's where sales bullpens were in movies. And I saw what uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was talking about in like a warehouse. We were a step above the warehouse, but it was very similar and it wasn't shady. It was just, it was all about selling with profit and getting your own income, driving your own dreams, not necessarily serving people, which is, the world I came from. So long story short, I did not do well for several months to say the least. And I, on the way home one night, I was thinking, you know, the thing I have going for me is I know how to serve people. I can be the best at customer service. Maybe that's the route to go. I'll bring service mindedness into sales and sort of like the, 
Ogmandino, the greatest salesman in the world. Uh, he talks about sales coming from a place in the heart, love. And that's what I was. So I did that and then things started to click. And before long, I was, you know, people saw that I was really genuine. I cared about them. My first deal, the people had to ask me is like, so Harry, how do we get one of these $50,000 color printers? I mean, I didn't know how to close them. I didn't know how to ask for the order. I shared enough value <laughs> that they said, we want one. How do we get one? I'm like, uh, I'm going to have to figure that one out. I'll call you back. <laughs> so it was one of those deals. But then, you know, I started doing really well and got into sales leadership all based on those principles we learned in the mission field, which is about serving others, putting other people's interests first, you know, washing the feet of others, you know, all of that stuff was what I ended up doing in sales and sales leadership. And it turned out to be quite a successful career. Nice. So how did that, how did that transition go? I mean, obviously you're doing something different than what they're, they're teaching. Oh my goodness. And yeah. And still not meeting their expectation because you haven't sold a thing yet. Well, yeah, exactly. So I didn't really tell them um, where my mind was. I played the game, so to speak. And that's what I ended up doing a lot in, because not everyone is going to accept where I was coming from, right? So when I got into sales leadership, I hope uh, my former boss is not listening, but one of the things that you had to do is I closed business for the end of the month. And I was not a pressure guy. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. And now I'm going to run a team in Washington, D.C. for a publicly held company. And I was not what is the stereotypical sales manager that closes business for reps. I was all about serving. And if we were having a bad month, I couldn't jump on someone's neck. It's like, you got to go close business. And other people did that. I didn't. So... You know, when I get the call, it's like, where are you at for the month? What are you going to do differently? It's like, we're going to keep on working. We're going for it. We're going to keep on doing what we do. But, you know, I felt, honestly, if the business came the first day of the next month versus the last day of the current month, it was still good, right? It was still good to get that business because what would happen as the 31st rolled into the 1st, Next month became this month <laughs> and this month business was always important. And I, I caught on to that one pretty quickly and they would forget about last month. So as much as last. And so it's like, why put the pressure on people when we're going to have this month next month, <laughs> right? If that, do you understand what I'm saying here? That next month turns into this month and it's just as important. Absolutely. Well, I think one of the things in sales, and obviously this is one of the sleazier sides of sales because it's that pressure model. But for me, if if the deal's good today, it'll be good tomorrow. Exactly. And and, and anybody that's putting a deal out there that nope, you got to do it today. You got you got to sign it today. Like you know, the car, the price. Oh. This is it. This is it. You know, um, th this is the only day this price is going to be this good. And and of course that you know pressures people creates. Um, creates that scarcity and, and plays, you know, plays into their influence. And, and I feel like it's manipulation. And for me, like if you're putting a price out there, like for a copier, especially for coaching, for, you know, yep. any, any of these service-based things, if you can honor this price today, you can honor this price tomorrow and you can allow me to make the decision, you know, on my time. And so I, I definitely, I appreciate putting a deadline, you know, closing, like closing my groups at the end of a month or, you know, and, but they know that from the beginning, right? It's not, if you call on the 31st and, and that's the day you start to sign up, Hey, our, our groups close at the end of the day today and we're not opening them till next quarter, you know, but I'm not, I'm not changing that. Right. It's not yeah. a different date for every person I talk to. It's <laughs> right. Right. Well, that, that, that is so true. And, you know, I used to laugh at the, or what, right? You have to do it today or by the end of the month or what, right? <laughs> or the answer is you'll get the same price next month because I know you're going to ask for the same price. 
right? If the buyer saw whatever the number is, let's just turn it into a car. If your car is $400 a month on a, like if you're leasing a car and you got it picked out, it's $400 a month. Well, guess what? They're going to honor the price next month because they're going to need the business next month. So, well, this all has to be done by this week. And I would just say, or what? That's right. right. And the, or what is just, uh, well, you know, that's, it's nonsense. It's, you know, you're putting someone on the spot for the smoke and mirrors that they're doing. So, yeah. which is good because it makes uh, salespeople squirm. So we don't want to be in those shoes. Um, but there's, what do you think about incentives though? Like well, an incentive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can add a bonus and adding a bonus. If you sign up early, I mean, I, I understand, I understand the mind, right? There, yeah. there, there is the mind needs help in decision making. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, I, it's just so easy to cross that line into manipulation, which, right. which is where the marketing frustrates frustrates me. And so, yeah, I'd much rather offer bonuses, right? The bonuses are only available, you know, if you sign up this week and next week, it's you know two less bonuses. And yeah. if you sign up at the end of the month, sorry that you know it's just right. you get. You get what you get, but you're getting a great deal because you know what we offer is is service. So yeah, exactly. I I I think the challenge for so many is that when you're selling objects, right? It's a transaction so often, and and you and I aren't really in the object selling business, even with a copier. Right? A copier is an object, but long term, it's it's service. Right? Copiers are yeah. high maintenance, <laughs> high need. Yeah products that that need lots of attention to keep them happy and and really that's the kind of service the the relationship starts at the sale not ends at the sale and right. i think i think poor salesmen and and people that have a poor sales model are focused on the transaction get that close that deal right versus the long-term relationship and so i'm a long-term thinker i want i want to create a long-term relationship that, that I can continue to provide value. And, and the transaction, this sale is just the beginning of that relationship. So whatever I do point. in that sales process is setting up the relationship. And I definitely don't want to set the relationship up on a sleazy feeling, right? I don't want exactly. my customer going away saying, oh, I just bought that coaching package. Oh, I bet if I'd have waited a day, he did, you know. Right. You want him to go away going, man, I'm excited about this coaching program. I can't wait to get started. This is going to be so good versus feeling like they just got ripped off and, right. and feeling sleazy about it and wanting to cancel the sale, you know, before they ever get started. Yeah. So you well, got to think yeah. longer term. Exactly. Well, I love what you just said. I mean, it's like, and this is the lesson for entrepreneurs is that it's not about just this sale. It's sale after sale after sale from the same person if you treat them right. Hmm, right. And it's it can be a lifetime with a client versus being one and done. If you treat them like it's all about the sale and not about the person, then they're going to treat you like you're a commodity versus you treat them with respect. They'll they'll see that. I mean, generally, it's not 100 percent, but generally you know, you treat people with respect, do the right things for them, provide value for them. They will keep buying from you. And they're not going to go because someone's a dollar less down the street. They know the additional value you're providing. Mm. So that's our opportunity as entrepreneurs. So let's talk about those entrepreneurs that are, that are sales hesitant. Yeah. Okay. That's a great one. I think that's the vast majority. (laughs) Uh, from what, at least my experience anyway, I know there are some great ones out there that come from a sales background, especially, right? The ones who are in sales and become entrepreneurial, they've got, you know, an added advantage there. They've got the advantage. So someone I was speaking to recently was, you know, coming out of the IT space, you know, information technologies. And typically those people are not people, people. <laughs> they're like well, they're technology people. Yes. Right. Or as you say, right. But they're, they're all about technology. They'd rather interact with technology than people generally, right. There are exceptions to the rule, but generally, if you look at, you know, all the jokes about it people, the jokes about attorneys, 
you know, there's different types of people, but you get the idea, right? So the person went from IT, you know, working with technology to now working with people. And it's a big difference, right? Because we've got to learn how to, we've got to read body language. We've got to understand the tone that someone says, let me think about it or let me think about it, or let me think about this. And it's, you know, the enthusiasm, there's so many different things that we pick up in sales that most people just say they wanted to think about it. And others will say, well, they're let me think about it is a nice way of saying they're not interested. And someone else is saying, we'll probably get an answer later today, right? I mean, it's just, it depends on how the same words are said and with the tone that people who are in sales pick up on this. So entrepreneurs, where this ties in is that just because you like what your company is and what you're doing and how great it is, if we, we don't develop the skills to help people buy into what we're offering, you know, we're not going to be as successful because they're probably going to shop us. Right. It's very rare that someone says, geez, I like what you're doing. I'm just going to sign up right here and not shop around. And the person that sells, right, which means uncovering, uncovering their challenges. That's like the discovery, finding out what's important to them. Right. So that would be their decision making criteria. Right. And then showing that you have done this before. Right. Maybe with some testimonials or video. Now, if someone does all of that and you don't because you just don't know, then you're at a huge disadvantage. And they may like you, right? You may be friends, but they're probably going to do business with someone that is better in sales over if everything else was equal. What's your thought on that? Absolutely. And, and it's really an exchange of information, right? It's, it's, First of all, understanding their problem, confirming that what you have is a solution to their problem, and then helping them believe that what you have is a solution to their problem. And I mean, the, in the straight line selling model, you know, Jordan Belfort, of course, who you know, everybody considers this sales monster, but really when he teaches sales, he's teaching that no is just uncertainty, right? And no just means that you haven't given them enough information if your product truly solves their problem, right? That's yeah. the ethical, the, the first ethical step in sales is <laughs> you can't try to sell them something that they don't really need, right? And so, right. but if they have a problem that your product, your service really does solve, then it's your obligation to make sure that you've truly answered all of their questions. And so when they say no, typically, or they say, you know, let me think about it. It's an opportunity to find out what is it that you're unsure about? What is it that, isn't clear to you mm -hmm. and, and gives you a chance to present those other, those other aspects, right. That, that go deeper into, which is also helps you grow as a salesperson because you learn to understand what people are actually looking for. And I think people, like you mentioned, the person that says, well, they're going to think about it, which means they're, they're not coming back. And, and sure they're selling 1%, but if you go deeper and you have a deeper conversation, have a, a more a willingness to ask when somebody says no, you know, well, what is it that you're not sure about? What is it that that is holding you back? Right. And, and go deeper. You're going to increase your sales even by, you know, a full percentage doubles your sales. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's important to be willing to I don't, I don't want to say challenge the no. But, but push a little to, bit to better understand the no. Yeah, to understand, right? You don't, I mean, so there's very nice ways of doing what you just described. And a lot oh, of absolutely. people fear going down that path because the person said no, or I'm not sure, or I got to think about it. And they'll say, okay, and not know what to do with that, right? But you could say something along the lines you know, when I hear people say they need to think about something, it means different things to different people. That's been my experience. 
So just for my benefit, so I can be a great resource for you, when you say you need to think about this, could you help clarify so I could get a better understanding of what thinking about it means to you? Hmm. Right? And it might be, well, the investment is significant. Or it might be, I'm not ready. I got other things on my plate. Right? But there, so those are completely different answers. Right? I've got things on my plate means they have other priorities, which is fine. Right? That the price is not, you know, it's not what they thought it was going to be, or it's more Then that also has a different, right? So then we go down, I totally get it, right? You know, sometimes I get sticker shock. It's not what I thought it was. But, you know, again, to help me understand, what about, what is it about the price? How far off is it compared to what you expected? Right. right? So now that gap, may, so what we're looking for is the gap. Right. So say whatever the number is, say you're selling a product for $5,000. Maybe, maybe it's a little air conditioning. I don't know, whatever. Right. Maybe it's five, maybe it's 50, whatever the number is, ask them what they were thinking it was going to be. And now you have a gap between what they thought it was going to be and what you're selling, what your whole thing is at. And then the opportunity there is to sell the value of the gap. Right, not necessarily selling from zero to your number, but just the gap. So we've done, I mean, I've done this for, uh, uh, seems like a hundred years, but in virtually any industry, that gap is you're showing an ROI on a very reasonable number now. Right. Or if they're shopping it and said, we really wanna do business with you, but I'm seeing this price over here, then just understand that. It's like, I totally get it. I shop too, right? When you say things like that, then you now become real versus the seller who's got an agenda. You now are on that side of the table and you're saying, look, I buy stuff too. I get sticker shock or I shop around. You know, I've looked at other coaches. I mean, I've done the same as you're doing. I get it, right? But just help me understand so I know right? So I can keep providing value because that's my whole aim is I'm going to keep providing value. If you go with me or you go with someone else, right? Yep. Well, and especially if you're talking about coaching or, or a service where they are not only making a financial investment, but they're making an investment of their time and their energy. And you mentioned it, you know, I've got an awful lot on my plate right now. Is this, is this going to overwhelm me or, you know, fit, fit my need or, or am I just going to invest in it and set it on the shelf like the rest of the shelf help books that I keep buying? Right. And so yeah. being able to bridge that gap is different than bridging that price gap. Right. Mm -hmm. And so helping them see, well, the value in this is really this. And, and this is how we're going to help bring you in without overwhelming your time. But you won't ever know that unless you're willing to ask, uh, you know, that that follow up question. Yeah. And not, you know, like you said, not oh in an goodness. offensive way, just in a friendly way that says, you know what, for my sake, I, I'd like to better understand. Yeah. I want to maintain this relationship and I want to honor you. Um, and, and I know sales, sales is, it, it's, it's got that reputation, right? And all of us feel that way when we're sitting across the table right. with somebody that's trying to, trying to close us. Right. right. And so well, I just, oh, I'm sorry. So we, so we, yeah. we get it. Right. And, and when you say, Hey, I understand that you want to take some time to make this decision. Can you help me understand, you know, what it, what it is that you're feeling, what it is that's really, um, you know, keeping you, what is the gap for you, right? Is it the money? Is it the time? Is it, is it the investment, you know, of your, of your future? And so yeah. Yeah. having that willingness to, to ask just one more question can push you to a whole nother level as a salesperson. <laughs> exactly. And you're not going to ask, if you're an entrepreneur, you're not going to ask too many questions, right? The salespeople are the ones that, I mean, this is what they do all day long, every day. They ask a million questions and they typically don't come from your space, they're, right? They're not coming from, excuse me, your place of genuine concern. They just want the freaking sale. <laughs> right. That, that's all they care about. They've got a quoted hit. I want the sale. I'm going to ask. So the difference is they may just say, 
well, what do you need to think about? Right? They'll go, they'll cut right to the chase. Or they'll say, uh, like someone says, well, your price is more than I thought it was. It's like, well, we're not like everyone else. You know, we're better than everyone else. Our service is worth it. And they go into defensive mode, which is typically a big turnoff. But by saying, I've been in your shoes before. In fact, last week I was shopping for this, right? We all do it, right? Whether we're at Home Depot, we're checking out Lowe's price. We're in Lowe's, we're checking out Home Depot's price. We're all doing it to one degree or another, right? Just tip, I mean, again, I'd say all, but it doesn't mean the vast majority of us are doing this these days, right? And we're not making big financial decisions with one price. We're getting multiple people bidding for whatever we're, whether it's cars, you name it, right? Anything of substance. So what you said, that extra question, most entrepreneurs feel like that's when they become pushy, right? By asking the extra question. And I assure you, comparatively speaking, on a scale of one to 10, you're still at a one, maybe you inched up to a two, whereas salespeople are always at 10, and maybe they're going to go to 11 if the chart could grow, right? But you're you're safe, right? And that extra question that you said, I've learned this a long time ago, don't say no for the prospect, right? Don't say no for the, the buyer, right? And we say no by saying they're not going to be interested. They're just going to tell me no again. So don't say no for them. Just ask. Right. Find a better way to ask. So after you have a sales call, right, where you're talking to somebody, evaluate where it went wrong, right? Where, you know, where could I have done better? Don't be offended that the person was a jerk, that they didn't understand you, right? They're idiots because they don't get how valuable I am. Don't say stuff like that. Just say, what could I, what could I have done differently to reach that person where I, clearly seem to have missed the mark, right? And that's when the juices start to flow and you start picking up a book or listening to a podcast or finding someone on Clubhouse. That's when things will start to connect because you have an open mind and not the rest, buyers are not just jerks. They're, you know, they're missing something that we're doing. So, which is okay. We just have to get better. What's your thought on that? So good. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Add Value to Life Coaching. Want to learn the mindset secrets of successful entrepreneurs that have been shared on our podcast? Well, you can get them for free at addvaluemindset.com. A-D-D valuemindset.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Well, I mean, you mentioned, um, we mentioned ethical sailing, right? And so let, let's talk about integrity in that in that conversation. And, and I think the temptation, like you said, a salesman's going to ask 10 different questions and his, his driver is to close the sale. And, and as entrepreneurs, if we have integrity, right, if we're in harmony with, with the situation, our goal can still be what is best for that person sitting across from us. And we can still be in integrity. Absolutely. So like an example might be if someone says, I got a lot on there, I got a lot on my plate right now, right? Well, clearly if you, I mean, whatever the thing is that they're saying they've got a lot on their plate, then they're not seeing what you're offering as something that's valuable enough to push something else off, right? So, if uh, you're offering uh, mixed vegetables and they already have green beans on the plate, then you're going to have to move the green beans off to get the mixed vegetables on. And maybe the green beans or the, excuse me, the mixed vegetables are not enticing enough right now. So understand, and what about this illustration, right? On the fly, I'm coming up with mixed vegetables versus green beans. So this is what I do. I test the waters, ladies and gentlemen, come up with analogies that clearly make no sense, but this is fun. It's what I like to do. So it's just finding something is if their plate is loaded is understanding, 
and then just say, you know, then having the conversation, help me understand. Cause when I hear people say that their plate is loaded, that means different things for different people. Some will say my plate is so loaded, go away and don't ever come back. Others will say, that means I need a few weeks. Others will say I need a few months. In your particular case, do you see what, where do you fit in? Right. So now we just, now we, we're going to get a better answer that other than my plate is full right now. It could be just a couple of weeks that we need to read and get even a couple of months. They're still in the funnel, right? That's still good. If they say get lost, I never want to talk to you again, then that's not so good. Right. But that's okay. We now know that they're not a real prospect. So we go find someone else. It's always a silver lining. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> and, and recognizing that, if we've had other clients in similar in similar positions, right, the service we offer is actually going to help you get other things off your plate. We're actually going to we're actually going to solve this problem by 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 working with you. Yeah, exactly. Depending on what it is you're offering, right? But if someone, for instance, someone shops and says, "I need my uh, I need a deck built," and right now I've got my kitchen going on, and I'm just kind of shopping, and someone says, "Well," You know, and they try to close me because I want my deck belt. And I'm like, I don't want it done today. So right now my plate is full. Okay. So that could mean a lot of things. It could mean six months. Could be call me after my kitchen's done. It could be I'm just trying to budget for next year. There's all kinds of things that could be going on. Right. So again, it's all about understanding and just asking. Help me understand because when I hear that phrase, typically means different things for different people. And if you walk away, adding that to your repertoire, I think it's a French word for your tool bag. If you add that to your tool bag, I think you'll be surprised how much that changes your sales and your opportunities. Mm, absolutely. So what's your thought on that? Does this uh, make sense or what? I mean, do you feel like this is, uh, I'm speaking a different language. I'm speaking no. colloquial, uh, Spanish versus, uh, Latin American Spanish or what? We are, we are in the same boat. So, <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully no one's throwing us out just yet. Yeah, exactly. So let's, so let's talk about gratitude and, and the value of gratitude as a, as a sales tool, let's talk about it in, in that perspective. Yeah. I mean, geez, that's a great question. It's uh, the, a lot of times we look at life as what we don't have. And if we have, we flip that and we're just grateful for what we do have. Like I remember years ago, my kids were having a conversation about people who lived in bigger houses. We lived in a pretty big house, way bigger than I ever dreamt of living in, trust me, right? Way bigger, way nicer community than my kids, than I ever would have dreamt of as a kid. And then I just asked my kids, I said like, okay, so you're looking at someone else's life and you're saying, I'd like to be like that. How many people are looking at our life and saying, we'd like to be like them. And if you look back and see where you have come so far in life and you just pause and say, man, I've got it pretty good, right? I've got a nice roof over my head. I've got a nice neighborhood. I've got a great school or whatever the things are, right? Whatever the things are, whatever the relationships are, whatever your health is. Say you got, I mean, I've got an ache in my finger right now. 99% of my body is fine. My tendency is to focus on that little pain in the finger. And that's stupid, right? No, be grateful for the good health, which I really am. And I just pretty much ignore the pain in my finger because I'd much rather have the pain in my finger than not being able to walk. Hmm. All right. Having a heart condition. So that gratitude comes in, in our attitude, doesn't it? I think there's some kind of saying like that. I'm not really good with sayings, but your gratitude, I'm willing to bet there's one that says your gratitude helps make your attitude, right? Is there something like that? Or at least but, attitude, having an attitude of gratitude. I mean, obviously it, they rhyme, so it, it, it yeah, seems to Yeah, it's got to be there. But Absolutely. that helps in sales because 
you're coming from a place where you don't need anything. Mm. When you need a sale, that's pretty much telling your buyer, don't do business with me because I'm desperate. And that's what they're going to pick up. So having that attitude of gratitude, right? And not acting like you need a sale and just being grateful for how great life is and what you have and serve people, you're going to get your share of sales. Sales. So good. That's my belief, right? And I've seen, I've done it. I've seen others do it where we've, you know, hit numbers and, you know, lifestyle that was beyond our dreams. And that's all relative. I mean, people make a lot more money than me. I don't care. I am in a happy place with where I was, which is living off of credit cards, coming back from the Dominican Republic, buying used cars, living in an apartment where the bathroom, right, where it was, didn't have a sink. It was wash your hands in the shower or leave the bathroom, go in the kitchen, wash your hands. That was to me a step up from what I saw in the Dominican Republic, right? A big step up. So I was like, at least I don't have to go outside and use the bathroom in a little house with no plumbing. Um, so it's all relative, right? But the, the point is, is that you, that gratitude is you're always better off than where you could be. And uh, that's going to help in your business as well. That's a long answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't apologize. It's awesome. So obviously you came from a place of contribution, sold a business and, and used those resources to give to others. And now you shift into the corporate world. Now you're shifting into, into entrepreneurship. How is that this, this new place allowed a different level of contribution for you? Uh, another outstanding question. And these are not rehearsed questions. I don't think, cause it's really good. And it seems like it's applicable. Um, so my life has been all about serving others and, you know, when I reflected on it, you know, I'm at the age now where I look back my, my best years, you know, if someone were to look at me, they'd say I'm on the other side of the 50 yard line, right? Okay. So I do spend some time reflecting and that spirit of serving I believe wholeheartedly is going to help me in business. It always has. And I believe it will continue to do so. Even though I made a shift um, where I'm counting more on the entrepreneur side of me than I did on the job side, it was all about serving people. And the way, you know, my faith is, is that that's going to have a positive outcome regardless. Right. So I, Right now I'm serving, you know, I did a volunteer things for uh, um, some veterans down in uh, the Dallas area. And I want to think, I mean, it's like, look, I have the ability to give. Uh, let's just keep giving and good things. Regardless, good things happen or not, I'm not going to starve. I'm not going to live in a box. I'm not going to live underneath the overpass on the highway, right? Or, um, or in an apartment with no sink. Or an apartment with no sink in the bathroom, right? I'm not going to do that again. I think I'm okay. So I'm in a place where I, and even then I was still giving. So that's the way it is in life, right? Either you are or you aren't, but I suggest it's a good way to be. All right. This one's going to be, this one's going to be challenging. Uh-oh. Was your most memorable date with your wife? Oh my goodness. My most memorable date with my wife. Uh, she's, we've had, I mean, so I've, we've been married for over 30 years to give you an idea. Um, right it's funny. Okay. So when your kids grow up, we had kids later, we were married for 10 years. So our kids are now early twenties. One, we still have one that's a teenager, but they're pretty much out of our control now. Right. So we're we're reflecting on the life we had before kids, because when you have kids, it's all about being a good parent. It's like you, you don't care about being a good husband and good wife. You care about being a good. I mean, you do, but it's really about being a good parent. That takes priority, doesn't it? Is that true with you? It's like you, I got to be a good parent. Right. That seemed <laughs> to be a, the number I, one. 
I had a pretty strong commitment to, to loving my wife because I was taught that the best the best way I can the, or the best thing I can do as a dad is show my kids how much I love. Them. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. So so I I, agree. I was intentional about about loving my wife through through our raising kids and knowing that raising kids is a temporary assignment. Yeah. See, you're so much. You're light years ahead of me. Our goal was to be, be, be happily married and on our second stage, you know, when the kids, when the kids finally left. And so. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's great. That doesn't make me much better. I, I, I understand what you're saying, raising the kids and, and having, having teenagers, especially in ministry was, was super challenging. Yeah. And, you know, impacted my relationship with them and impacted my relationship with the church in ways that, that I, I can only now reflect on. Yeah. So, well, exactly. And so I think where you, you were thinking is where I am. Right. I nice. mean, I'm, it's just like, I didn't think about life post kids. <laughs> I was enveloped with, life with kids and we didn't really think about it because i mean i i don't know why it's just there's no because there we just didn't think about it periodically we'd have the discussion so what what's what are we going to be like when the kids are we going to stay together because a lot of our friends whose kids they had prior were now you know after we married for 20 years they were hitting the uh you know the, the breakup thing so we didn't want that and then, uh, so we just started thinking about like, uh, you know, doing things together, showing more interest in each other. And I got to say, we went um, over this past year, cause this is like uh, during the whole COVID thing, we started spending more time together and getting to know each other again. Nice. Um, and I'd, I'd say that the date isn't really the date, it's the COVID period. Uh, sorry about the dogs. Dog, dog wants in. He's, he's, he's yeah. like, he loves yeah. the story. <laughs> but that that allowed us to uh, re-engage on deeper a deeper conversation level. And she told me things that were completely surprising. We ended up moving out of an area we lived for seven years. We were looking for a house in that area. And she says, you know, I'm not really thrilled about this area. And you know, I don't think if we ha didn't have so much time together, she would have been that honest with me. She And I said, what would you have done if you didn't say that? She said, I would have just dealt with it. And it's like, that's not the way to live, right? I mean, just let me know. And she's, you know, that's the type of person she is. She wants me to be happy, but I want her to be happy. And when we found that out, I was like, where do you want to go? And we ended up moving, you know, two and a half hours away. And, you know, she's now elated. Right? She's thrilled. Uh, in this new area and it's like man so that is what really makes me happy so that's the long answer to the best date nice. but i think well, it makes an impact i appreciate the vulnerability and and, <laughs> and, glad, and glad that you're choosing to go in the right direction yeah because no. i think marriage was really made for life post kids <laughs> like yeah <laughs> there's great opportunities to do some really cool things together um, and and use all your experience from before that to uh, to energize your relationship. So yeah, so true. You know, uh, uh, it reminds me of. I mean, we came Wayne Dyer. I don't know if you're familiar with. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I was introduced to Wayne Dyer. You know, probably five years after the uh, fellow passed. But I was listening to one of his speeches or something on a program, and he talked about kids passing through us. They're not part of us. They're not us. They pass through us. And when I heard that, it was like letting go of taking everything personally. Mm. My kids don't think like I do. They don't have the same vision I do. They don't have the same. I mean, there's some similarities, but they're completely different people. And letting go of that, instead of saying, well, you got to do this. You got to be more like me. You got to be more like the Spate family. It's like this nonsense, right? They're, they're their own people. Let them be with, you know, provide guidance where they listen, but they're their own people. And when I heard that, it's just a huge light bulb went on. And then, then I realized that I've got to, I've got to let go of a lot of my thinking because life post kids is 
you know, it can be terrible for some people as they live for their children. And it's just like, you can have your own life and be happy about it. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those identity challenges, right? We take on the identity as a parent, as a, as a father or a mother. And that becomes, that becomes our identity because that's the role that we're filling. And, and I, so as a coach, definitely want to continue helping people separate themselves from their role. Right. I'm not a sales manager. I'm not a copier salesman. Right. I'm, yeah. You know, but that's the question, right? Everybody asks you the question, you know, well, what do you do? And we identify with our work in yeah. so many places, or we identify with, you know, well, I'm a father, but you know, like you said, our children flow through us. Our father's a temporary identity. Right. And, and, and yeah, I'm still a father to my kids, but certainly not in the same way that I was, you know, when they were two to five and right. every season changes. And, and our goal was that I want my kids to love and respect and have a relationship with us after they become adults. Yeah. But that meant discipline when they were kids. You yeah. know, I can't be their friend and be their father and do the job correctly. Yeah. It's and tough, so, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. But but love love conquers a ton of <laughs> mistakes. Yeah. So, oh, so my goodness. we knew if yeah. we loved our kids that we could make a bunch of mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, this is a whole nother topic, but when you your kids compare you to so and so who is like best friends with their kids. <laughs> It's like, oh my goodness. And I would tell my kids, I was like, look, we're not friends or friendly, right? But I've got to be a parent. I can't be just the best friend. Well, and they and, need us, right? they need us to be parents. Yeah. They need us to be parents so that they become responsible adults. And I I've been joking, our kids have only been out of the house for about a year. Mm -hmm. And so they left in the midst of this COVID thing. And I didn't think it was ever gonna happen. So <laughs> we're way behind <laughs> schedule. We had we had an 18 year plan. It was, there was a countdown calendar and, and we live in, we live in an economy right now where my kids would need 10 friends to move out and three of them are yeah. fighting over the couch. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> funny. It, yeah. It worked out. They, they moved out this last year and, and now they call us more than they did before. And it's like, wait, what? You didn't want my advice when you lived here. Yeah. Why do you want my advice now <laughs> that you're out on the earth? Yeah. But so our joke is we, we released, two functioning adults into the wild and so they're, they're out there they still call for advice and money and so we still have a good <laughs> advice and money yes that sounds familiar <laughs> absolutely so so i love that you're wrestling with it i love that you and your wife are, are working together on it because because that's the way you, you should face it right and you should try to figure figure out what is what does this look like what do we want this to look like and that's the cooler part as entrepreneurs is you figure out you get to choose what do we want this to look like how, how do we how does this future play out of you know you and i together without kids you know what do we get to do what do we want to do like my wife's got some serious serious travel plans and <laughs> some serious expectations for our business to support her lifestyle <laughs> so nice not yeah. extravagant not at all right. extravagant but definitely not involving a nine to five. And so, yeah, no, that's <laughs> great. Yeah. I love it. So how have routines helped you, Harry? Uh, I, I think just knowing like, I'm not a big routine. I'm an anti routine person, but I know I have routines, Fair right? Enough. So we all like, for instance, I, I have a routine about brushing my teeth, right? I do that twice a day. I do Your it in the morning and I, it. Yeah. Okay. So there are certain, there's certain things we do at a routine, even though we may be anti-routine. I like freedom, but still I know what I'm going to be doing at certain times of the day. And those habits are helpful in being an entrepreneur, right? It's when you're doing your own thing, it's creating habits. And you may be as an entrepreneur, a lover of freedom. You want to do things your way, I suggest that you look at your habits and say, okay, where have my habits gotten me so far? And should I add a couple of more, you know, certain things like journaling, um, trying to add that as a habit, um, you know, reading I do habitually. Uh, so there's certain things I do regularly that are good and help me continue to grow. And I think we all 
benefit by continued growth and kind of looking for some consistency in life. What's your thought? So good. Well, I think our challenge as a culture right now is we have this misunderstanding of what freedom really is. And, and there's this idea that freedom is I get to do whatever I want to whoever I want with no consequences. And, and that's not freedom, right? <laughs> that's, that's anarchy. And, yeah. and there is a huge difference. True freedom is found in discipline and, and true freedom is, is based on values, right? True freedom is there's constraints, there's, there's borders, there's boundaries that keep us where we want to be. And so to be truly free means that we live within this, within this. Yeah. This I mean, it's, yeah. Totally <laughs> and, agree. And I think people want to tear the boundaries down and that creates chaos. And, and then we, we have no accountability. We have no, yeah. nowhere for growth. And so I think, I think we need a, a new understanding of what freedom really is as a nation. Yeah. Um, we started with some really good boundaries and some really good guidelines and, and now we're trying to test them and push them and, and stretch them. And I think it's creating, it's creating chaos. And of course, the lack of accountability and the lack of, of wanting to deal with consequences, right? The truth is there's consequences for our choices. And entrepreneurs know that firsthand because entrepreneurs, you know, you make poor choices, you lose your, your income. Yeah. Versus working on a job, you can make poor choices a few more times and, and exactly. they still keep paying you because they're not paying attention. Right. Uh, but but that's not the freedom that we want. We want the freedom to make right choices and and do good by humanity, I think. I mean, I, I personally believe each one of us was created with a gift inside us to serve our fellow humans. And I think you feel the same way. I do. And I imagine a world where more and more humans are aligning together to serve humanity in a positive way. And, and entrepreneurs are going to be the start of that because entrepreneurship is that's the ultimate, you know, providing a service to the for the good of humanity is what entrepreneurs do. And so more Absolutely. and more entrepreneurs are going to be the agile ones that solve those problems. They're going to be the agile ones that support organizations that solve the problems they don't solve for the good of the world. And so I believe entrepreneurs are really going to be the solution where other organizations and governments have failed us. Yeah, totally. I, I so aligned with that. You know, it's funny because I used to uh, in the Washington, D.C. market, I'd get up to go to work every morning and I'd say, I'm going to go help drive the economy. There you go. Because I, be I believe that sales, right? Nothing happens without a sale is like the first thing that has to take place in order for people to have jobs, the service industries, education, everything all starts with a sale in my belief. And I, a lot of people think that way. And I think uh, some very smart economics people, economists will say the same thing that it starts with a sale of, uh, of course you have to manufacture something. It may start with that, but someone's you got to buy the machines. You got to buy something, right? You got to buy the sewing needle, whatever it was. So it's, it's closely tied, right? So in the, my, you know, where a lot of people are looking at certain things and institutions is bailing out the world. You know, when you see what volunteers are doing and the huge strides that volunteers make out of the goodness of their heart, you know, that's moving versus yeah, forced, you know, we're going to solve this problem and we're going to throw money at it. If people want it or not, that's not, anyway, that's a whole different topic. So we could do. <laughs> it has to start yeah. with love. And I yeah. think, I think entrepreneurs figure out love <laughs> it, even even if that's not the language they would use, like you 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 speak of, you know, being more caring for people, right? Being yeah. serving serving people first, and I think think that's where it's going to change the world. Yeah, and you know, I think a way of measuring that, not necessarily measuring is the word I'm looking for, but when I've talked to people, it's like, why do you do what you do, mm. right? And I'll come out and say, look, this is all about serving others. And people will say, well, I like the job or I like this, but, but why deep down inside why? And frequently, not almost, I'm almost a hundred percent of the time you get why well, like people hmm. when it comes down to it, it just keeps coming back to it's, I like the team or I like the owners 
right? Or I like dealing with the customers. Even you the know, IT it, guy eventually. Yeah, gets even the IT the guy wants he walks away feeling good, a pat on the back when he solves a problem. Right? That is there's a release. I don't know if it's dopamine or oxytocin, but there's something, some chemical that's released when we feel good that we've done our job. And it's typically it's helping people, serving people in one form. So explore that. If you really think about it, you know, it comes down to, well, I like people, then let's just make sure we're treating them right and doing them a good service. And, you know, there's no one better than you to serve the people you come across. I mean, oh, that's so right. Good. I feel like they come across for you in a reason. Absolutely. That makes sense. All right. So you feel like you're on the backside on, on the, the downhill. I, but, but I'm gonna I want to challenge that a little bit because I think your experience and your wisdom has prepared you for something greater. And so, what is the big dream, Harry? Yeah, geez, Louise. Yes, I. You know, I say those things, and I don't really think anyone's listening. It's kind of tongue in cheek. But because I was not a professional athlete, I and I, I look at professional athletes, and I've had this conversation those folks reach their peak in their 20s and maybe early 30s. And many of them retire in their early in 30s. Role. Right. They retire, right? Their peak performance as an athlete. Let me be clear on that. So thank you. And then they retire. And then some of them really struggle, hmm. right? There are like the NFL, there is a support group. I'm pretty sure it's for the NFL because I had someone on our podcast and they said there's a support group for retired athletes because they just don't know how to deal with not having any fame, right? There's no crowd applauding them. Well, it's that identity, right? Their identity yeah. is in their being a professional athlete. And until they make an identity shift to whatever their value they bring to the world is, absolutely, they're stuck. And I, and I think, yeah, we can get caught in that same thing. Our identity can't be in what we do. It's, you know, who we are and how we're going to impact the world. And so I would challenge him. How are you going to impact the world yeah. now that you're no longer playing that sport? You've right. got resources, connections, and a network. And, you know, so much good they could do. Yeah, absolutely. Like right. Tim Tebow has done. Yeah. He, he had a very short professional football career, but he has a huge influence career that, that he's done very well with. Absolutely. And there's, there's tons of people that are doing that. So the reason I bring that up is that I felt that I always feel my best days are ahead of me, even though age wise, I look back and I reflect because of the mortality thing, but I believe my best days are still ahead of me. I mean, right. I may so, be naive. So tell but, us, uh, tell us what those best days look like. What yeah. The best you? days look like the, uh, getting this message of selling with dignity your formula for life-changing sales results, that is a message that I believe can make a huge impact. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a big, hairy, audacious goal. I'm not sure I'm ready to share it, but you it's safe it to say, there. all right, it's safe to say, thank you. I want millions of people to see what this does because I believe in my mind that sales does not have to be dirty, corrupt, slimy, pushy, you know, self-focused, none of that. I believe it comes from a place of service and that we can do a tremendous amount of good in this world if we think that way. So I'm going to, until the day I die, keep uh, moving that message along. So uh, yeah, it's not about uh, selling a hundred books. It's about getting a million or more people buying into that selling can be honorable done with dignity for yourself, for the prospect and for the profession. Mm, so it. that's I it. It's, I think it's fantastic. And I hope uh, we can be a part of spreading that message. So, oh Larry, my goodness, you so Robert, much. you made me voice it. <laughs> you, you brought it out or I actually vocalized it. I, I don't do that very often. So now I do that in front it, of the now mirror. You need to write it down and put it on the yeah. mirror. It's, yeah, that was a, yes, that's great. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you, Harry, for taking the time today. I appreciate you. Appreciate all the wisdom that you've shared and just a ton of value that I received personally. So I know our audience has as well.
Yeah, this has been great. Uh, you have great questions. There's good banter, and I'm happy to be a resource for you. So don't hesitate to call me. And I can't get, wait to get you on the Sales Made Easy podcast. And we're going to flip the switch a little bit on this. So I'm looking, looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Chris Doris shares some great value. We talk about the idea that there's no such thing as causeless joy. We get to choose how we feel each day. We share how we were created to make miracles. And we talk about the power of self-perpetual curiosity.